0: Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of November 2nd through November the 8th. I'm recording this today on Friday, October the 30th, around 2.35 in the afternoon. Um, we've got a busy week ahead. It's election week in the United States. Um, I will try to contextualize that event within the astrology of the week Um, We are heading towards a conjunction of Jupiter and Pluto um, in the week following this week, but we will be feeling that energy as those two planets uh, come together within three degrees of one another. Um, Election Day is, of course, on the 3rd of November, and on that day, Mercury will station direct at 25 degrees of Libra, and it will also make its appearance as a morning star, which is a condition of Phasis, which was... Very important to the Hellenistic astrologers, kind of a an omen that is speaking louder than normal. So we're going to see a concentration of mercurial energy on Tuesday the third. Um, the other things we'll be experiencing this week is we're going to be seeing a square of Mercury and Saturn on Friday the sixth, and then a last quarter moon on Sunday the eighth. Uh, we will also be talking about a number of fixed star contacts that planets will be making this week. There are quite a few, so we will uh, look at the star chart together and try to get some of the mythological themes behind some of those um, fixed star connections. Okay, hope that you're all doing well this week. I'm going to share my screen and we'll take a look at the planetary condition report. Um, We're heading for quite a a big week here, aren't we? Um, Interesting times that we're living through. Hopefully you all are maintaining your peaceful center with mercury in the third decan of libra as we try to uh you know focus on our equilibrium and those things that will help us maintain connection with the hub of the wheel as the the twists and turns of 2k or fate or fortune keep spinning around us the things that we don't necessarily have control over and uh, one thing that we can do to to weather that storm is to kind of uh, try to keep our own mental state under under wraps and um, not project too far into the future or reminisce too much about the past. It's just about staying present in the in the moment that we are given and uh, I think that's going to be the key to getting through this time period um, with our sanity intact. So um, yeah let's uh, let's break it down here and we'll see if we can, give you uh, some, some good methods to, or some pronoia, some foreknowledge that will help you to weather the, the, the seeds uh, of hemarmene and the possibilities and the ups and downs that you may experience with all these possibilities and these possible futures we may have right now. Um, like I said, I've been listening to a lot of Robert Schmidt le- lectures lately, and he's been talking about fate. And the different types, and one being that of hemarmene, which he describes as seeds pregnant with possibility. He also talks about anonke, the forces that compel us uh, into uh, action, um, or being bound to something, and Saturn was sort of uh, associated with anonke, kind of the compelling nature of time. And then that pranoia is that ordering force, and through through our knowledge, we're able to maybe have some, um, some hand, uh, some exchange with that cosmic mind. Remember last week I talked about the cosmic mind and uh, what we're doing with astrology is maybe trying to you know, get some insight into the thoughts of a cosmic, I guess, being, you could say, that is having conversations like in a cosmic courtroom about um, you know, what's going to happen here on this earthly plane. So we'll, uh, we'll do our best to, to second guess that cosmic mind, as, as Mr. Schmidt would like to say. Okay, so with our planetary condition report, we'll start off with the sun. The sun this week is going to move from 10 degrees to 17 degrees of Scorpio. It will have some rulership in the second decan, or the second face. It is moving fast. It will conjoin the fixed star's Acrux, which is part of the Southern Cross, at 12 degrees of Scorpio. That is a um, an extra zodiacal star. It is pretty far off of the ecliptic. It's south of the ecliptic. Um, and then we have another fixed star that is very much north of the eclip- ecliptic, uh, which is called Alfeca, which is at a very similar degree. It is slightly further along in the zodiac, but we could still consider it 12 degrees Scorpio. So the sun will be conjoining both of those Uh, at the beginning of the week. And then it will conjoin the fixed star Zubin el-Janubi at 15 degrees of Scorpio, which was called the the southern claw or the southern pan of the scales. So in uh, ancient times, they considered it part of the constellation Scorpio, but it was updated uh, along the trajectory of time as being part of those scales. And it's the southern scale. um, And the Things that are below the ecliptic, if we have like uh, a pair of stars, which Zubin el-Janubi is part of a pair with uh, Zubin el-Shamali, I think I'm saying that correctly. Uh, that was the northern pan or the northern claw. So Zubin el-Janubi is a little bit um, more difficult to deal with, but we'll break that down when we get to our daily uh, daily forecast. The sun will be in the terms of Venus this week from 7 to 11 degrees And then in the terms of Mercury from 11 to 19 degrees, it will be making an exact square to the moon, the last quarter moon on the eighth, which is Sunday. The aspects that the sun is receiving or making this week is uh, it is sextiling Saturn and Jupiter in Capricorn. And that's really the only planet that is giving testimony or bearing witness to the sun this week. So um, it's It's in a harmonious conversation with those planets that are uh, going through that Capricorn gate of where energy is leaving the material plane and the sun itself is in the house of Mars, which uh, we've talked about in the past as being a, a quality of severing and separating and in the case of Scorpio that severing and separating is for the spirit or the animating force from the body so we have an awareness this week of how we are going to compost or separate from that body and what needs to leave so that we can reconnect with the universal spirit, uh, with the universal mind, with the universal gnosis. Um, so definitely themes of what we are leaving behind with the sun and Scorpio. Now in that second decan or that second face, um, Austin Copic talks about that decan as being a quality of, um, Mutual distillation, and this may be through, through relationships that we are you know, exchanging information, exchanging emotional energy, um, but to potentially those relationships may be ones that have outlived their, their fruitfulness. Um, so think about the exchanges that you are having this week, and are they ones that are actually um, appropriate for the moment in time that you are in now? Versus are they part of something in the past? And this is true with Mercury retrograde and Mars retrograde. Right now, we may be uh, you know, coming in contact with some things from the past or some things may be taken away from us. In Hellenistic astrology, they talked about a retrograde planet as giving something or giving testimony, but then also being recalled to the witness stand, sometimes to take back the original testimony and give a different one. So we can think about something being taken back with these retrograde planets and potentially new information coming to light. So you may have some contact with some people from your past, but that may give you some new information as to whether you want to continue on with that, um, exchanging with that those particular folks, or if there's um, a need to move forward or to compost that old energy. All right. Saturn is going to be in Capricorn moving through the... Uh, 27th degree or 26 degrees Capricorn it is moving fast it will be making an exact square or receiving a a, a superior square from Mercury on the 6th of November Saturn of course is still in its own domicile it will be in the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees co-present with Jupiter Uh, it is making an overcoming square to Mars and Aries And it is receiving an overcoming square from Venus and Mercury retrograde in Libra. And the final aspect it is, our conversation it is having is a sextile with the sun. So Saturn is exerting its power over Mars right now, making action difficult, making action, uh, having to consider um, some of the challenges to taking a self-directed action like Mars and Aries wants to do. It wants to individuate. It wants. It's the severing and separating, to uh, from the collective, to become an individual and to incarnate into a body. So we're we are trying to individuate so we can grow something new, uh, in the when the process moves into the the Taurus phase, I guess you could say. Um, but we're having to really reconsider. The ramifications of our actions, we're having to take our time, Saturn was associated with time, we're having to uh, really consider um, how our actions are going to affect other people. And we may be feeling that we are uh, being deprived of the resources necessary to to take that action. That's the overcoming square with Saturn and Mars, that that kind of, um, you know, I don't know, deprivation energy you could say uh, also schmidt calls it the energy of exile so we may like i said we, we are lacking some of the things we need to take that next step forward now what is happening when venus and mercury are providing testimony from libra well in the tradition uh when a benefic was aspecting a planet from a square that wasn't necessarily always bad so venus may be trying to help uh, and provide resources and mercury is you know destabilizing and helping us question how we're going about doing that remember mercury is like a process planet it's kind of how we're stirring stirring the uh the pot or the mixture um i think yeah i like to think of it as the stick that's stirring all of the connections that we're trying to make between the planets and the cauldron the the, the soup of our life and um you know Venus here is uh, trying to talk about how we are going to reunify things that have been separated apart from one another. But we'll get to that. Let's talk about Jupiter first. Jupiter is in Capricorn. Uh, it will be moving from 21 to 22 degrees of Capricorn. It is in its fall. It is moving fast. And it is within three degrees of the planet Pluto. And you can see that here in this uh this is called a, um, I believe it's called an adherence, when a planet is within three degrees in the Hellenistic tradition. Now, I guess you will, if you're a stickler for the details, you'll say, well, Pluto wasn't even a planet in the Hellenistic tradition, and you would be right. But since we are using it in kind of a, in a modern context, we can think of Pluto, uh, and this is a, an idea I've borrowed again from Robert Schmidt and his lecture series, Weather and Whence, that you can find through the Association for Young Astrologers and their archive, uh, he thinks of Pluto as kind of the transcendental Mercury. So when I was talking about Mercury as process, as the skills necessary to shift one thing from another, remember Mercury was the guide of souls to the afterlife and back from the underworld to to the land of the living. So uh, we can see, pluto as helping society to do that it is breaking down old forms and it is helping to regenerate something new so pluto uh, when it is coming into contact here or or vice versa when jupiter is coming into contact with pluto we are confirming that process the hellenistic authors thought of jupiter as confirming or stabilizing that any kind anything that it touches so we're really seeing, modern astrologers would call that expansion, but I think it's really like we're saying, yes, this is happening now. Um, so with, with Jupiter, we have this stabilization of destabilization. know <laughs> it's kind of a paradox, but that's, that's the, the, the language that we have to speak in sometimes in astrology. So we are, we are really confirming the fact that we are, are uh, dissolving forms and um, creating new ones as a societal as a society on, on a grander level um and we've seen this play out with um, the coronavirus as well um, one of the things that astrologers have been looking at myself included for indicators of the disease um, we saw an initiatory phase with the saturn pluto conjunction but when we've seen peaks we've seen like the them uh kind of expanding i guess you could say in a modern context when we see Jupiter and Pluto coming into contact. We had one of those peaks in the spring, we had another one in the summer, and then we had one that is happening uh, as of next week on uh, the 12th of November. And we're seeing coronavirus spikes around the country right now. And that's something that we have to really keep in mind as we move into the the cold season. And we're gonna be forced into being in maybe closer proximity with one another, indoors with, with airflow that might not be as good. I would encourage you, and this is just my astrological opinion, but my common sense opinion, to really follow the rules right now. Uh, Saturn is still very, very strong in the sky. And sometimes we have to do the, the necessary things, Saturn be, being associated with necessity, and doing the hard work that we need to do that we might not want to do, but we are compelled to do through a non-K. Uh, it's, it's important to follow those social distancing rules and, and not um, not cheat. Remember Saturn uh, gives you kind of the result of your actions over time, but it brings punishments. I would say that Jupiter re- will reward action, personal action over time. Um, but since Jupiter is in its fall, it's difficult to, to see the, the fruits of our actions. Sometimes we have to be patient delay gratification. I think that's the key with Jupiter and Capricorn, delayed gratification. We have to do the hard work and we have to wait until we see uh, the, the merits of that hard work and the merits of those actions. And that can be really frustrating. And I hear you with that. And I, I empathize and I sympathize with that condition because I'm living through it with you. Now, Jupiter in its fall is going to be moving through the terms of Venus from 14 to 22 degrees and then moving into Saturn's terms from 22 to 26 degrees at the end of the week. So, again, uh, the actions that you're taking. And, and this was another really interesting thing with Schmidt that I wanted to share. is He really thought of the, the diurnal planets, the diurnal sect planets, you know, the Sun, Saturn, and Jupiter as associated with being more personal and the personal uh, daimonic action that you take, uh, the action that you take where you're being influenced either by the devil or the angel on your shoulder, okay? And he thought of Venus, Mars, and the moon more as impersonal, m- more as related to two uh, K or the, the um, randomization, random distribution of fate or fortune. So think of it in that context. If we think of it that in, in that context, we've got the diurnal planets, okay, uh, or the, the two diurnal planets in a sign related to Saturn. So, again, patience and uh, doing the hard work. Now, when Jupiter moves into the terms of Saturn from 22 to 26 degrees, it becomes a, a bound lord for that planet, it, which means that it is setting the curriculum. That means for to to get honors and rewards and to ascend in rank, like like Jupiter likes to uh, dispense. You have to follow the Saturnian curriculum, and that Saturnian curriculum is sheltering in place, social distancing, uh, delaying gratification, especially when it comes to things like. Halloween or, or Thanksgiving or things like that. That's tough. This is, I, I, like I said, I, I, really, um, I really hear a lot of uh, people's pain right now because what we're we are coming into the holiday season and we're coming into a time of year where ritual was very important. Our ritualized holidays are getting together with family members, um, going out and doing the trick-or-treating if you have small children, and there is a lot of sadness that comes with uh, being deprived Saturn or being abandoned or, or abandoning those rituals themselves. But that's what we're being asked to do, to move to the next stage of social, I guess you could call it, um, experience. I was going to say evolution, but I, I like the word experience because it's, it's more circular than anything else. I don't, I don't know if we're really evolving towards something better. I think we're just moving around the circle of the zodiac. Um, so we may feel like we're orphaned from those traditions that we had. And it takes an enormous amount of mental discipline to contextualize those in doing something for the greater good for, by giving up those those. Uh, traditions and those holiday traditions, um, we, are, we are setting the stage for the future. We're setting the stage for those future holidays is what I, I want to really um, make a point of. By giving up some of the, th- the, the normal, quote unquote, normal things of our society uh, this year, we may be around to experience those holidays with our loved ones in the future. If we selfishly go and get together with people uh, in the peak, the one of the peaks, and maybe hopefully the final peak of the coronavirus and the uh, the spread that's happening right now, the consequences of our actions is we, we might not be able to have those holidays in the future with our loved ones. If we uh, inadvertently get an elderly family member sick by getting together with them in person, or we, we become sick through going out and like, I don't know, going to a party or something like that, we might not be able to have that future with those loved ones. So you can think about that delayed gratification as we're giving something up so that we can preserve. Saturn also preserves things over the course of time. We can preserve that future with the people that we care about. And I just wanted to make a point of that because I think that that's really, really important right now that we take that mindset that we are, doing it for the future good. okay let's uh, move on. Um, Jupiter is hosted by Saturn. it will be co-present with Saturn. it is of course making all the same aspects the square to Mars the uh, receiving the overcoming square from Venus and Mercury and the sextile to the Sun. So it is it is trying to assist those planets um, but again, Merit will be received from delaying gratification. Okay, let's move on to Mars. Mars is still retrograde right now. Mars is in the sign or the temple of uh, Aries, which is its home temple. It is, that's its diurnal place. That is the place where it is able to create severance and separation by, that will lead to the individuation of an of a, uh, individual into a body now we may be wanting to individuate right now but we are slowed down in that mars is moving very slow it is retrograde it's taking back some of our individuality right now it's taking back our our individual initiative okay so one of the things you may see in the weeks ahead with mars retrograde is we may see uh, some of the freedoms that we were given as things started to open up again retracted and that may be very frustrating uh, as a collective. Um, but that, again, that freedom might be taken back for the greater good so that you may be able to have a future with those that you care about. Uh, Mars is in its own domicile. It will be in the terms of Mercury from 12 to 20 degrees. It will be making, uh, receiving the overcoming square from Saturn and Jupiter and Capricorn and making an opposition to Venus and Mercury in Libra. So that individual initiative, that wanting to separate from the collective to take your own um, self-motivated action is creating conflict right now with the need to harmonize with others and with the, the need to come together as a, as a society and have um, rules that are fair for everyone. This is part of what we're learning in Libras. how do we think of others? How do we think of how we are going to create social contracts with one another so that we can have a functional society and a lot of what we're seeing in the collective right now is people's individual actions creating disharmony and disunity with um with other people because of uh, a self-directed action that that is out of alignment with what needs to happen with our social contracts as we deal with this very difficult saturnian plutonic you know kind of Um, change that we're going through as a society with with things like coronavirus and and the changes that we are preparing for with the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius in December. All right. Um, Venus this week is going to be in the sign of Libra, moving from 6 to 14 degrees of Libra. It is also in its own domicile. So we have three planets in domicile right now. Uh, It is moving fast. Venus will be making contact with a number of fixed stars. And remember, I've described the, the, the realm of the fixed stars as being outside of the spheres of the planets, where the planets are administrators of the divine um, consciousness. The fixed stars are more about the laws that, that consciousness is, you know, the, more of the fixed laws, you know they they are they're fixed stars. So these are things that aren't as negotiable. These are kind of, you know, maybe laws of nature that we have to work within. And a lot of the themes that we can see when planets conjoin fixed stars are kind of um, less less mutable in their in their uh, in the what we have control over. We may see these things play out. Um, Venus will be conjoining the fixed star diadem at nine degrees of Libra, uh, which is associated with the 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 hair of the queen, um, there's one day this week that I'm going to call the, the day of crowns because Venus will be conjoining Diadem and the sun will be conjoining alpheca So we have two themes of crowns and that, that actually is uh, the day after the election. <laughs> so we're, cr- we're attempting to crown somebody with power. Uh, so very interesting to see those, those fixed stars on the same day. Um, but diadem is associated with the sacrifice of, of, uh, of, of the feminine for, the, for, for peace. So I, I think that that may be associated with um, the, the voting of, the, of women playing an, a really important role in the outcome of this election. Venus will also be making contact with Vindemiatrix, which is at 10 degrees of Libra this week, um, that was called the grape gatherer or the Widowmaker, And we'll talk about that as we get to our dailies. Uh, and then it will be conjoining al at 13 degrees of Libra, which was part of the constellation Corvus, which talks about distractions from a divine purpose. So we'll we'll get into that as well. Venus will be on the terms of Mercury from six to 14 degrees and then moving into the terms of Jupiter from 14 to 21 degrees. It will be conjoining or co-present, sorry, will not be conjoining exactly but it will be co-present with mercury it will be making an overcoming square to saturn and jupiter and capricorn and opposing the retrograde mars and aries it is of course in its own domicile so it is able to draw upon its own resources um venus is very strong in libra venus is able to uh you know use the power of persuasion to create a win-win situation and, and a consensus so we may be able to, to use that strong power of being able to have empathy for one another and hear both sides of an issue so that we can move forward to a new social contract that'll work for the most amount of people. Not everybody is going to be happy. That is, that is uh, kind of a statistical impossibility, but if we can come to a, a societal consensus where we get kind of the most people represented, that, that I think is we're moving in the right direction. Um, Mercury will be uh, very active this week. Well, I I guess active is, I don't know if active is the right word. It'll be prominent in our astrology. It's moving very slow, uh, but it is starting the week off retrograde. It will station direct on election day, Tuesday at 25 degrees of Libra. And then it will move forward to 28 degrees of Libra throughout the week. It emerges from under the beams on that same day around 3.30 or so in the afternoon, which is a very important um, concept, concept, philosophical concept in Hellenistic astrology, because it represents Mercury emerging from the underworld and you know returning to the land of the living. It, it was an omen that was speaking very loudly. So we need to really pay attention to what is revealed on that day. And of course it's election day, so there will be things that are revealed that are important. Now, since Mercury is stationing that day, it may take some time to really understand the symbolism as Mercury starts moving forward again and moves to, uh, you know, being able to deliver its message. The, the message may not be delivered on Election Day. And this is something many people have been talking about with mail-in voting and with, you know, the possibility that, that uh, Donald Trump could contest the results of the election. Um, we may not really know who the winner is on election night. So we'll have to just be patient with that and, and remember to, to use all of our good coping skills and not freak out one way or the other, because the result that we see may not be the one that ultimately plays out. So again, it's re- very important to stay as objective as you can and to keep that um, mental equilibrium through this process. Trust me, there are certain things that are within your control and certain things that aren't. And, you know, the wisdom to know the difference of those two things is, you know, of course, the serenity prayer. And this is going to be a real test. Can you understand what is within your power? It is within your power to go out and vote. And I highly, highly encourage you to do that if you are an American who is eligible and you have not done so. It's very important that you do that. That's within your control. The counting of the the, um, votes is not necessarily within your control, but again, holding our leaders accountable after an election may be within your control. So it's all about kind of trying to balance out what we are able to affect with our action and what we have to accept as something that we have to let the process play out. So that's gonna be important for this week ahead. Mercury does have triplicity dignity Uh, As the nighttime ruler of the air signs this week, it will be in the terms of Venus from 21 to 28 degrees and then moving into the terms of Mars from 28 to 30 degrees. So our communications may be influenced by a very dignified Venus at the beginning of the week where we're trying to, you know, bring things together and say, I, you know, we believe in this candidate and we believe in this uh, ideal and we're trying to bring together with a new new social contract tract or whatever. Um, but then once we move into the end of the week, Mars becomes that bound lord, And we may be thinking about, you know, c- talking about uh, what we are not. And and conversations may get a little bit more heated, especially as, as Mercury moves into the, that direct square with Saturn on uh, the Friday, the 6th. Mercury will be conjoining or excuse me, I keep saying that, it will be co-present with Venus in Libra, making an overcoming square to Saturn and Jupiter in Capricorn and opposite Mars in Aries. It is hosted by Venus this week and it is co-present with its host. So again, we are receiving the necessary ingredients, the necessary resources to be able to contest um, Oh man, just thinking about that, that, just thinking about contesting an election, but we're contesting uh, how we are creating stability with, with Mercury. Mercury likes to destabilize, it likes to contest things, so we're contesting our social contracts right now. All right, but the elements we're, we're trying to do is come to con- some consensus by it being hosted by Venus. The moon this week is waning. It will start off in you know continuing the full phase we are uh, as i'm recording this we are still building to the full moon in taurus conjoining um uranus so i'm sure that there's something potentially some surprise that happens this weekend that i don't necessarily have knowledge of yet because that that hasn't uh perfected um that we might be talking about that is a little bit destabilizing that we may be continuing to experience the fallout of uh, when the moon wanes from full to the last quarter phase. The moon will start off slow this week and move uh, much more quickly as we get to the end of the week. Uh, The moon in Taurus will start off in its exaltation and will have triplicity dignity in the nighttime. It will be peregrine in the sign of Gemini and then return home to its own temple in Cancer where it also has dignity in the third phase. We will end the week with a square between the moon and the sun, and the moon in Leo will be peregrine. So that square is going to be some kind of existential crisis where we're going to try to resolve what came to light at that full moon. And it might be challenging. Okay, that's what I have for uh, the planetary condition report. Let's move on to Monday, November the 2nd. We'll look at one chart here, and we will um, put the Sun on the Ascendant as we are apt to do. Okay. On Monday, November the 2nd, uh, the Moon will be moving from Taurus into Gemini at about 5 a.m. or so, continuation of the full Moon phase. Um, We have one lunar aspect on Monday the 2nd, and that is a trine between the moon and Venus. So the moon will be at seven degrees, Gemini trining seven degrees of Libra with Venus. So that happens about 7.30 in the evening. So all throughout Monday, we may be having this nice aspect between the moon, which is collecting the energy of, I want to know, it's collecting the energy of the the full moon there and distributing it to to venus so we may we may be able to create some sort of consensus and get out and hopefully it will lead to an ability to to play out the democratic process and and um, people are voting early and things like that but there is there is a nice aspect on monday now as we move into tuesday we have some more challenging things that we may be experiencing uh, so let's move forward to tuesday now, again, all of this is playing out in the context of Jupiter-Pluto conjunction. Uh, that's in the third decan of Capricorn, where we're seeing potentially the destabilization of of administrative power uh, being established. Uh, okay, so like Pluto is really disrupting our leadership right now and our our material structures of leadership. And Jupiter is going to be saying, yep, that's that's going to be expanding or that's going to be uh stabilized that that um corruption i guess and i say corruption i like to describe pluto as corruption but you can think of corruption as like yes we could we could think about it as things erupting from the underworld if we extrapolate hades onto pluto but also if we just think about it as the corruption of of matter itself like like the caterpillar dissolving into a goo that wants to reform into a butterfly so, so Jupiter is really confirming and stabilizing that process. And it says, yes, we are, now we are going to dissolve the, you know, these, these power structures so that we can create something new. And that's really the backdrop of what we're experiencing right now um, throughout this week. So I want to make sure that I keep repeating that because that is the context of what is happening. All right. So on Tuesday, let's go forward. On Tuesday, November the third, the moon starts out in Gemini, continuing the full moon phase. Um, it is sextiling Mars retrograde at twelve fifty-six p.m. at fifteen degrees Gemini and Aries. It will then make a square to Neptune at five forty-two p.m. So there may be some confusion about you know where where to vote, how to tabulate them. There may be long lines. We may feel a little tired towards the end of the day with contact with Neptune. Um, remember, Neptune, according to Schmidt, was kind of a transcendental moon. It was kind of like universal substance. Where we're returning to universal substance, it is, uh, you know, purging that light of Uranus or that light of the sun or the light of Gnosis. If we can compare that to. And it is, you know, a desire to transcend all of that and blend into a homogenized soup of, uh, I guess, matter or of substance. It doesn't even have to be matter. It could be substance. So we may feel like we're, we're kind of being dissolved into one mass of humanity uh, with the contact with the square of the moon to Neptune. And that could be true as we're standing in line waiting to vote and things like that. Hopefully most of you have voted early. That seems to be the way that to to avoid a lot of these issues. Um, Now, we have the sun over the course of the day making contact with the fixed star, Acrux. And Acrux is part of uh, the constellation um, crux or the cross, the southern cross. And we can associate that with the cross of matter. And this is all happening as Mercury is about to turn direct, okay, at about 25 degrees of Libra, 1249 p.m., okay, where it is, and it's also going to emerge from under the sun's beams, which means that it, it separates from the sun by 15 degrees. That was, that's around when Mercury literally becomes visible again out of the, the light of the sun. So we can think about that as emerging from the underworld, emerging from invisibility, becoming visible again. It's a concentration of that mercurial uh, energy. Now, you know, Dimitri George in a really great book, Ancient Astrology, talks about a really um, concentration of mercurial energy as being overwhelmed by information. Like we have all this stuff that we're being bombarded by that we have to kind of make sense of. And like she says, like, if you have that in your own chart, you could be bombarded with books or with information, things like that. And a lot of us are probably going to be paid attention to the news on this day where we're trying to figure out what's happening with the election. And we're bombarded by all these, these facts, figures, and, and you know, uh, mercurial communications. And that can be destabilizing because we, aren't, we haven't made sense of it yet. We have all these uh, testimonies from all these different lawyers in this courtroom, okay? Mercury was the cosmic lawyer. He was, he was giving testimony and arguing for one side of the issue. And we're gonna be getting arguments from, from many different people over the course of Tuesday as to what's happening, as to what should be happening, and as to what this means. And I don't think we're gonna know what it means yet. Jupiter is the planet that helps bring us meaning. And, and stabilization. Jupiter's the judge in the courtroom. And we don't have a judgment yet. So we have to live with the ambiguity. We have to live with the, uh, and, and just listen to all the different stuff, all the different arguments before we can make a judgment. And, you know, it's gonna take a while to make sense of all of those things. Now that doesn't mean you have to constantly be plugged into the news and hear every last opinion or argument of every different talking head that'll drive you crazy so you it is i do think it is important to kind of be objective and, and hear as much as you can objectively but also you know not overwhelm yourself with that the information as well um so that would be my advice on on mercury and it emerging from the beams as a morning star so it'll, it'll be a morning star mercury now you know more uh, it will be um, I believe, I believe it is occidental of the sun. I believe that's the word, uh, where it is rising before the sun. I could have, have those terms uh, confused, but I don't think that I do. Uh, anyway, so we will also be seeing um, this conjunction, and this one, this one's uh, interesting. And I'm going to go over to my star chart here to talk about Acrux for a minute. Because Acrux is is very much off the ecliptic. All right. So I've got, you can see down here, here is the cross. So let me annotate that. Oops, it is being, oh, screen share is paused. Ooh, I don't know. I don't want that. All right. Can you see me? See you now. Sorry, I almost did the same thing I did a little while ago. Um, why is it doing that? I'm sorry, I'm running into a little bit of a technical difficulty here. I'm going to stop my share and reshare for a minute. There we go. Now you can see my screen, hopefully. So we can see now that we have this cross. Down here, this cross of matter, we can think of it as, and we have this fixed star Acrux, which is basically like the Alpha, I believe it is the Alpha star, in in that particular constellation. And it used to be uh, one of the legs of the Centaur. Okay, it used to be part of that that uh, constellation, but it it since this is one of the newer um, constellations that we have, so. You know, maybe take it with a grain of salt a little bit, I guess that you could say, because it was renamed uh, in the, I believe, in the 1600s. Um, It it maybe had some some Christian connotations, I guess, Uh, but we will be seeing it coming into alignment with the sun here. Now, it is this green line is the ecliptic, which is the path of the sun, and you know there were there's a lot of arguments to be made that fixed stars that are close to the ecliptic or have much more of an effect on the planets themselves. But uh, since we don't have consensus on that, um, we're still going to kind of give us a delineation. So acrocs Acrux you can think of as the, the cross of matter that we experience in a natal chart or in any chart with like the, the ascendant-descendant axis, the MC, the IC axis. Um, Bernadette Brady describes this star as dealing with physical incarnation Um, awareness of possibilities and limits of the material world. Um, You know, and when we're dealing with the Ascendant and the Descendant, we're talking about the breath of life at the Ascendant and and the leaving of life and and the the beginning of judgment when we enter the underworld at the Descendant axis. And with the MC, the the Midheaven, we see the action or praxis that we're taking out in the world. And the IC is about rest. It's about, uh, it's, it's underneath the earth. It is, um, I was thinking about this metaphor the other day, well, today actually, uh, of the conceptualization of time throughout, the, throughout a natal chart. And we can think of it, I think, kind of like this. If we go back to our chart. Okay. Um, this isn't gonna, this is being a little weird. Okay, there we go. If we see the ascendant being the breath of life where we come, the, the sun is born, all right. And then here where the sun sets at the descendant. here at the midheaven, we have action that is visible out in the world where the sun is at its height and it is giving the most life to the plants below and to giving us the most light or the most amount of knowledge. It is at its brightest point. When it's underneath the earth, there's darkness, there's rest, we're sleeping. You know, this is where the IC is generally. I guess I know technically it's over here in this chart, but you get the idea. And if you think about this, think about this like as a little seed under the earth where it is resting. Here we have the seed that is emerging with a little plant or a little, little seedling where we have. You know, kind of uh, the birth of something above the ground. At this point, we have the flowering of the plant. There's my flower, or a fruit, or maybe we've got fruit here. It it is the result of our actions. This is my little fruit. <laughs> okay, okay. This this is like the result of everything that you you have done, All right? And then here we have the the plant is starting to wilt and the leaves are falling down and the seeds are falling down back to the earth, okay? And it's the return to the earth. So you can conceptualize, if you if you want to conceptualize time in a Hellenistic way, you've got to think about it like that. And it's not a one-to-one-to-one thing. You've got these three angles that you're dealing with. This angle is associated with this phase, okay? This angular triad, we could say. Whereas this angle down here, or these three houses are, are dealing with this phase, okay? And these houses here, and for those of you who are just listening, sorry, house 1, 2, and 12 are associated with the angular triad of the ascendant. House 11, 10, and 9 are associated with the midheaven. Uh, 8, 7, and 6 associated with the descendant. And then three, four, and five associated with the IC. Now, this is a lot of messy stuff here, but you kind of, hopefully that will um, allow you to understand a little bit better uh, a conceptualization of time. Now, the cadent houses pull you away from the angle and the succeeding houses move into the angle. And Schmidt has this really interesting thing about uh, a planet in a succeeding house, it is desiring... To move in zodiacal motion but is being pulled into the center of power the kentron the the goad he likes to say these are these these angular places are places that goad us to action and this is all in context of the the fixed star a crux too because we're really being i think goaded to do something we're being goaded to vote right we're being asked to take an action uh, on this material cross we're trying to infuse Uh, matter with our idealism we're trying to infuse the solar light of what we want of our gnosis of our hopes of our dreams of our you know you know our hope for the future with taking this uh, material excuse me this material action through our vote which we could manifest through the moon the sun manifests our spirit through matter okay and this this cross of matter speaks to that that concept quite well right but just to follow up this final thought i was having is the the planets in the succeeding house are being uh, carried into an angle but they desire to move away from it and these planets in these caden houses are are looking back at the angle desiring to go into it but they're being carried away from it by that primary motion of the sun so like in this chart i have the scorpio rising chart venus and mercury well and can let's just consider mercury direct here are both being carried away from that kentron of personal power at the ascendant like they desire to use their significations to uh you know in service of the body in service of the the personality okay but they're being carried away by by i don't know the tide was one uh, really good metaphor Caden House says the tide is going out. It's, it's like you're trying to swim back to shore. The shore is the angle. And you're trying to, uh, you know, swim back to shore, but you're being carried out by the tide, you know? And, and, and here we have, you're trying to, with a, a succeeding house, 2, 11, 8, 5, you are attempting to swim away from the shore, out to sea. Okay, but you're being pulled back to the shore. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're being pulled back to safety, I guess. Being pulled back to power. You're being pulled back to action. Okay. And that may be something to think about in your own personal chart. Is if you have planets and succeed in succeeding or cadent houses, you may desire something that you're being pulled away from. Or if you have a planet and you in your succeeding house, you may desire to move away from something that you just can't possibly get away from. All right. You may, you know, like. For example, you have planets in the eleventh house, which is said to be a good house. Like I have Venus there. Like you maybe you may desire to move away from action, but you keep getting pulled into it over and over and over again. <laughs> and in my case, sometimes I want to leave uh, the the world, uh, the public world. I want to, uh, you know, I have uh, some Hermetic tendencies where I don't want to be out in front of you know, the world all the time, but I keep getting drawn into it through these groups, keep getting drawn into um, conversations with group consciousness with Venus there and, and, and pulled into action, you know? So that's one, one example of how that works. And not, not everybody wants that. Some people do. Some people want or desire and have ambition to, to take action in the world. Other people want to rest. And none of those things are bad. They're just different competing uh, human desires. And you may have areas of your life where you really do want recognition and you do want to be visible and you may have others that you really don't. And and you need to look at your natal chart to maybe figure out what types of experiences are brought to you in those different fashions. All right. So that's kind of uh, the sun can join Acrux on Tuesday, Mercury stationing direct, Mercury emerging, from under the sun's beams as the morning star and that condition of Phasis. Just try to to do your part, take the action that you can and then have patience in the process, right? That doesn't mean you shouldn't pay attention, doesn't mean that you shouldn't be aware of what's going on in the collective because there's definitely gonna be a lot of noise and you may have to take the next action. But think about it as take the action that you're being presented with and then uh, I guess await further instructions. By the by, the by the universe, by the cosmic mind. Okay, all right. Let's move forward to Wednesday, the fourth, because this is where we're really kind of dealing with the fallout of all this. Right on Wednesday, the fourth, the moon is moving from Gemini into Cancer. Uh, it will move into Cancer at 4:45 p.m. It begins the disseminating phase of the lunar cycle. So this is where we've whatever we've experienced has come to light. There was maybe some shakeups because there were some unexpected things with Uranus. Um, you know, there was a concentration of confusion with Mercury making its its emergence uh, from the underworld, and um, we are now in that stage of disseminating that and and uh, being able to eat the fruit that was that came to ripeness on the vine of the full moon. Okay. And we have a couple, we have a lunar aspect. We, we will see the moon making a trine to a newly re, uh, newly direct Mercury at 8.48 a.m., okay? 25 degrees Gemini and Libra. And then the moon, of course, will move into Cancer in the afternoon. And we have a couple fixed star placements uh, on this day. Uh, and I, I, in the planetary condition report, I called this the day of crowns because the sun will be conjoining at 12 degrees of Scorpio, the fixed star Alfeca, which is part of the constellation Corona Borealis, the flower crown, and I'll talk about that. And then Venus will be conjoining at nine degrees, uh, the fixed star diadem, which is part of the constellation Coma Bernicis. okay? So we have a a literal crown, we have a crown of flowers and we have a crown of hair, all right? So Alfeca is the, the flower crown, or the crown of like almost like a laurel wreath. Let's move to the chart of the star chart so that we can kind of get a visual on this. And I'm going to stop my share for a minute and I'm going to reshare my star chart so that we, (laughs) we, usually I thought that just works, you know, well, but I learned, I learned Mercury, I learned Hermes. Okay, so here we are on Wednesday and we can see that, um, here's Venus, so Venus is conjoining a fixed star in Coma bernices, which is right here, here is the, the crown of hair, okay, and if we go up a little bit, we'll be able to see the crown of flowers, this is Corona borealis, or like the Northern Crown, I guess you could call it too. And it's very much north of the ecliptic, near the near the pole. Okay, so Alfec is over here. There it is, and then uh, Diadem is over here. Okay, so here is Diadem within the this constellation right there. So what is the difference between these two, and how might it play out? Well, the sun brings an awareness of things. The sun is kind of like noose or, or gnosis. It is um, the animating spirit or breath uh, or the light of the mind, and we are trying to bring to light who we are going to be crowning the next uh, the next king or queen. I guess you could say <laughs> like that's because the, the the for better or for worse the the American the. The president of the United States does have quite a bit of power um, in the world, on on a world stage. Now, that has been a little bit eroded over the past four years, (laughs) maybe, Uh, but um, it still does play out. Uh, The actions that that person, um, or even the things that they say, has a greater effect on the rest of the world, for better or for worse. Now, Corona Borealis was the flower crown that was given to the um, princess Ariadne by Aphrodite. Now, Ariadne is the uh, was the wife of Dionysus. Now, the story with this goes that she was from Crete, and she was the princess that gave Theseus, the hero Theseus, string to find his way out of the Minotaur's labyrinth. Okay, so we have a, an a, a signification of a labyrinth that we're trying to a, a maze that we're trying to escape from. And this was the the kind of like the lifeline. So we have some kind of lifeline with the sun conjoining Alfeca here. And you know, Ariadne was uh, rescued off of this island by Theseus, but then later abandoned. So we you know, we have this kind of this thing where, where she is given power and then it's taken away. And then she was claimed by Dionysus uh, as his bride. And and the the flower crown was given to Ariadne by Aphrodite in their wedding. So Burnett Brady talks about this star as power with a price. Um, Or we could think about it with the sun as the awareness of the price of power. Okay, So there are two um, prominent figures that had Alfeca uh contacts in their chart throughout history that were used as examples one was princess d or lady d or princess Di, however you want to say it and grace kelly both were literal princesses grace kelly the princess of monaco and um you know lady diana was the princess of uh, princess of wales i guess i think i don't know i'm not super up on my uh, english monarchy (laughs) history i apologize for those who, who follow that um but they were both they both were given power and then there was some kind of catch so this is power with a catch what so there may be some kind of social status that is gifted uh, on this day that either is later taken back or it comes with some kind of price and we really have to think about that as we're moving through our post-election week is the the original result that we think we may have come to may not be the final word in that there may be power that is given that is taken away there may be a victor that claims victory that eventually has it um retracted i think that this is i mean i think it's probably almost a guarantee that that donald trump is going to claim victory one way or the other so that may may come out that eventually you know he is not the victor you know we have to be careful too because we we ran into this problem the last election as well, where you know Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, and then through the Electoral College, uh, Donald Trump was given the election through that process. So uh, we, I guess, we have to see what happens. I, I fingers crossed that that doesn't happen again because I am supporting Joe Biden. But um, yeah, what a strange system that we have—a very outdated system with this Electoral College and versus the popular vote and um i understand that there were reasons for it in the united states constitution but we may be getting to the point where we sort of have to scrap some of that and start over again and that may be part of the jupiter saturn conjunction that's happening too is we're just like you know what this system really just isn't working for anybody anymore nobody's happy the will of the people is not being played out it's just the will of a smaller minority and uh we're seeing this too with the the courts right now the supreme court is the you know it it seems that the majority of of americans did not want uh you know my <laughs> partner had some kind of weird acronym for it but um amy amy coney barrett uh any any court any corny I don't know what it was I can't remember it was something dumb (laughs) or funny I guess Um, but the majority of Americans were like this is not the person that we want Uh, and it only a a, maybe a more extreme minority want that person in the supreme court making those decisions and uh, that 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 is a problem Um, and that is a problem as far as how our democracy works and how our government works, because what a government in its idealized form. And in, I guess the idealization of our American government is all about is it is a representation of what the people want. These elected officials are supposed to are supposed to represent the people that they, the people's ideals, they are elected officials saying we, we have a belief system and you represent us. Now there are all sorts of corruptions as, as to, you know, things like gerrymandering where these elected officials themselves are redrawing districts so that a certain belief system will be able to elect, or people with a certain belief system will be able to elect an official uh, that has a certain set of beliefs. You know, this is what's happening with a lot of Republican districts. They're, they're drawing these districts so that only the Republicans are able to be uh, elected and, you know, that's, there's arguments to be made that that's the only thing keeping the Republican Party in power is, is those redrawing of districts and only allowing certain people to vote. Uh, and that's a, that's a problem. It's not necessarily representational. Um, and how sad is that? That the only way that a certain party can, can maintain power is through completely changing the representational rules and suppressing the vote. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy to me. That's crazy talk. And maybe this two party system isn't working for us anymore. And maybe we need other parties that are representative of how Americans actually feel. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think that I, I'm in favor of uh the, I guess, the ranked voting system where you if we have multiple parties, you can, rank, you can vote for your favorite and then your second favorite, third favorite. And, and I think that would be much more representational of how people actually feel. But that's a discussion for a future day. Okay, so we're talking about Alfeca. We're talking about the giving power, being gifted power and status. Let's talk about Venus though, because Venus is going to play a role in this. Venus right here, is very close to this fixed star diadem. All right, and it's going to be, you know, then conjoining the fixed star vindemiatrix later, but let's talk about diadem first. Diadem's in the the constellation uh, Coma Berenices. And this was called the the crown the woman's crown or the queen's crown, the queen's, but it was the the crown of hair. Crown is another word for your hair. And the story goes is that Uh, Bernices, the the wife of Ptolemy. Uh, Ptolemy, the the second or the third, I don't remember specifically, but she sacrificed or made a a divine sacrifice to Aphrodite for the safe return of her husband, Ptolemy, from battle. So this was a, a sacrifice of something important to her. like Maybe she was giving up some kind of status. Maybe she was giving up something back in the day, like being, If you were a woman and you were bald, that was something that was frowned upon. Now, we, we have different values today, so that may, may not be a one-to-one equivalent, um, but I think we can still extrapolate out the metaphor as, as giving up something, making a sacrifice for the good of the whole and for, for, the, for peace. So we, with Venus conjoining this, I mean, this this could be I, I, one of the things I've seen a lot in the news is that uh, women, the women's votes will be especially important in this election. So the sacrifice of women going out and maybe braving the long lines at the polls, uh, potentially getting the vote out and voting, uh, m- maybe even like you know, I don't know, changing their mind on how they felt about something in the past. I've seen a lot of republicans that have shifted towards joe biden because they just cannot support someone of donald trump's character despite them holding some republican beliefs uh and that that is a lot of that is coming from suburban well suburban white women and that that is one of the the uh the people that are uh, that a lot of people are campaigning towards right now doesn't mean that Other demographics won't have influence in this election. They definitely will. Like, um, you know, there's been a lot of pandering from Republicans to the to the black vote right now as well. And uh, I don't know. There's, I think that the their strategy is let's see how many rappers we can pay to to endorse Donald Trump, like Kanye or like uh, Ice. Ice Cube, I guess, was the latest one, um, which I I don't understand that. But um, anyway, uh, so themes of sacrifice uh, for peace, okay? Themes of trying to bring something that was separated back together. That was one of the distinctions that Schmidt made that I thought was really interesting. You know, Venus is not just the the concept of just harmonization it's harmonization of things that have been split apart it is that kind of persuasive quality you know you could say that you are you know using your social grace to persuade other people so maybe the 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 persuasion of the feminine element in society is helping to bring about social peace and social justice okay um Yeah, same thing with Mars. Mars severs and separates things that were alike or things that were together. So, like the body, for example, and the soul. You know, Mars and in you know the Scorpio Mars is going to separate that out, whereas we're separating from collective to the body in the Marshall uh, and the Aries part. Okay, so that's the day after the election. Let's move forward. We'll go back here. I'll stop my share for a second. Sorry, the clunkiness of this, but this is how it's, I, I don't know if this is from a new update or something like that. Um, but here we are back on our chart, hopefully. And this is, we're gonna move forward to Thursday. Oh, no, did that thing, it went too many days forward. Okay, so on Thursday, November the 5th, moon is in Cancer. In its own domicile, we're in the disseminating phase of the moon cycle. Um, The moon will be making a number of aspects on Thursday. Uh, It will be making a sextile to retrograde Uranus at 9.18 a.m. At eight degrees of Cancer and Taurus, it will square Venus at 10 degrees of Cancer and uh, Libra at 1.22 p.m. We will see a trine from the moon to the sun so harmony between the lights at 14 degrees of cancer and scorpio at 806 p.m. and then finally a square between the moon and mars retrograde at 1108 p.m. at 15 degrees of those respective uh, cardinal signs cancer and aries okay so let's think for a second we have one fixed star that we are dealing with uh, with vindemiatrix at 10 degrees of libra uh, the Venus is also just moved into the second decan of Libra at about 2.02 in the morning on Eastern uh, Standard Time now. I hope that you all have flipped your clocks uh, backwards an hour for this week because it's fall back. That should have happened on Sunday, November the 2nd. So if you haven't done that or whatever, I'm sure you have. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. or make sure to do that as you're as you're listening to this, potentially on Saturday afternoon or sun, Sunday morning. Okay. Um, so yeah, Merc- Venus is moving into the second decan of Libra. This was associated with the, the three of, of swords in the tarot, where we see this card was called sorrow. It was Austin Coppet called it two links of the chain. It was a double Saturnian ruled face. Um, now, this this particular decan, uh has the fixed stars Vindemiatrix and Algarab. Um, they talk about uh, negotiating the terms of a contract in in Austin Coppick's book, and uh, either committing or being bound to a contract. Remember, Saturn is binding energy, right? It is a It compels us to. Commit to things or to, or to separate or to abandon something, right? To be denied something potentially. So we have both uh, the quality of committing and of, you know, finally deciding to end an agreement with this Deccan. Now, it's Venus that is entering this Deccan. So there is an attempt, I think, to u- reunify things that have been apart. So this is where we are, ha- our negotiating skills are enhanced our ability to create win-win situations we are harmonizing the terms of the deal our powers of persuasion are are at their are at their height okay they're at their peak okay we're able to kind of talk to one another and hear one another being able to listen is one of the best qualities of a negotiation okay so bringing a divided people back together and hopefully that's something that we will be able to do now you know, Venus will be starting to come into an opposition with Mars, so that's fraught with peril. But um, that's not going to happen until next week. But we're, we're building to that. Um, let's talk about Vindemiatrix a little bit. Now, Vindemiatrix, I'm not going to go back over to my chart, but Vindemiatrix is in the constellation Virgo. And it is uh, called the Grape Gatherer. Some people call it the widowmaker. So there's kind of two, uh, type, two types of stories or energies with this. Um, one is the, this was the, whenever the sun conjoined uh, Vindamiatrix, that was the time that it was like time to, to harvest things and to, to gather uh, the, the fruits of the summer. And the story with the grape gatherer is, uh, there's a story with Vindemiatrix with a, a youth, a Dionysian youth, uh, a consort or a lover of Dionysus um, named Ampelos, who climbed a, a tall vine and uh, overestimated his abilities and fell from that vine and broke his neck. So I think that that's one of the reasons we can call it a Widowmaker, because we've got this tragic story of maybe potentially overestimating our abilities that leads to a downfall. Um, Burnett Brady calls us like the sorcerer's Apprentice type of star, where we you know are kind of, like I said, that's another story where we have someone who isn't quite ready to use the abilities that they are learning and ends up creating chaos. Okay? So two ways of thinking about this. We may be collecting data. We may be collecting information, uh, especially with Venus, we may be trying to harmonize and unify all that information into something coherent. Um, we may also be overestimating our ability to make sense of that at this point. So uh, generally in, in horror, in medieval horror, it was not a very nice fixed star. It was something a little bit more challenging. Though. I guess uh, Brady's interpretation is a little more positive. So make of that what you will. I think what I'm going to start doing in the future is I've been reading a lot of uh, Hellenistic source texts and uh, they talk about these fixed stars in this document called Anonymous 379. And they give uh, planetary, um, planetary natures to each of the fixed stars. And they're like said to be like combinations of planets. So for Vindemiatrix... It's a combination of Saturn and Mercury. Now we can think about that as like uh, being uh, denied information or really having to be sober about what we're, what we're uh, collecting <laughs> like, um, or maybe hardship that comes through a destabilization, right? If we are destabilizing the process of collecting, we may experience a fall. We may experience a death. We may experience something that is negative. So uh, we may see some uh, awareness of, of the, the process of how we are tabulating votes on the 5th and things like that that may be the themes that we're looking for through this. Okay, let's move forward to November 6th. On Friday, November the 6th, the moon will still be in Cancer, the disseminating phase. A number of lunar aspects once again, Uh, This is all in the context of a a Mercury-Saturn square that perfects at 411 in the morning. Um, So we'll see the Mercury-Saturn square at 26 degrees of Libra, and Saturn will be at 26 Capricorn. Now, I'll talk about that in a second, but we also are seeing the conjunction of the sun with uh, 15 degrees Scorpio, which will be related to Zubin el-Janubi, which is in the constellation Libra, and we'll talk about that in a second. But the lunar aspects, the the moon will be making a trine to Neptune at 4.13 a.m., roughly the same time that Mercury is perfecting its square to Saturn. It will make an opposition, the moon will, to Jupiter at 11 a.m. at 21 Cancer and 21 Capricorn. This is the day where the moon's going through the Capricorn gauntlet from Cancer. So the moon will then oppose Pluto at 12.41 p.m. at 22 Cancer and 22 Capricorn. And then it will oppose Saturn at 7.51 PM at 26 Cancer and 26 Capricorn. Finally, we will have a square between the Moon and Mercury at 8.26 PM at 26 Cancer and Libra. So we will end the day with a T-square between the Moon, Mercury, and Saturn. Ooh, that'll be fun. So Friday looks uh, challenging um, to say the least. Now let's talk a little bit about this Mercury Saturn square that we're seeing. You can see this right here, uh, right there, that square that'll be we'll be feeling Thursday and Friday, end of the week. Now, this is we have been having negotiations fueled by Venus, and Venus is providing uh, resources for Mercury, so. We're trying to negotiate. We're trying to contest in the, the, the most um, harmonious way possible, right? We're trying to be nice. We're trying to play nice. Um, and we're trying to maintain our equilibrium, our mental equilibrium, but that is being thrown into question by everything, that all the chaos that's happening around us, right? But what we are going to try to do is, or what is happening now is all of that contesting, all of that. Uh, information runs into a roadblock. It runs into the brick wall in Saturn. It runs into something that slows it down. And it says, well, you, you, <laughs> you're going to have to let go of some things first. You're, you're, it's running into limitations. It's running into the bureaucratic, the, the limitations of this bureaucratic system that we are trying to make sense of. This, ad, this administrative power, okay? Saturn is in the third decan of Capricorn. That decan is associated with uh, administrating like government. with, with It is the, the face of the sun, but it is about power. It was called the throne. So we're running into the limitations and the, the abandonment of power. We have people that are abandoning responsibilities right now. With with Saturn and Capricorn, and you well, we have a leader that was abandoning his responsibilities to take care of the American public during a pandemic crisis. So we may be seeing this again, where we're seeing an abandonment of something with Saturn. Uh, you know, creating even more confusion, I would say, and maybe even depression. Okay, this this aspect in our personal lives could could lead to. A little bit of uh, melancholy, a little bit of depressed thinking where it's like, oh, how are we going to get through all this, right? Um, there may be difficulty communicating or speaking, like you may get shut down. Someone may be freezing you out. That's that's a signification of, of Saturn is getting frozen out, getting cast into exile. Um, uncomfortable silences could be associated with this aspect. So I think the key... To this, and the moon's going to be trying to help, uh, but it's it's uh, in its own opposition with Saturn. So we're trying to birth something. We're trying to birth uh, some kind of new pol- political leader into, or you know, we're trying to we're trying to figure out who the political leader is going to be. But it's running into also running into these limitations, and that's gonna be that's gonna be uh, Friday's gonna be a challenging day. Now let's talk about Zubin el Janubi, which is part of the constellation Libra. I'm going to go back to my chart, my star chart. And we're going to see on Friday the 6th that the sun now is part is very close okay, with Zubin. El Janubi, which is right here. They are super conjunct, and Zubin El Janubi is right on the ecliptic, like like dead smack on it. You can see it right there. Now, I don't know if this uh, visual representation on this particular chart is completely accurate because they, they, they call that one, the, the Northern Claw and the Southern Claw and the northern pan and the southern pan. And here we've got the pans kind of here and the fulcrum right here. We could probably almost think of it as the pans being here and here. I don't know. That's just my thought on how it was described. But in ancient times, this was an extension of the constellation of the scorpion, the claw. And this was the southern of a pair. And when we have pairs, the southern one being below the ecliptic, Was you know said to be more difficult. So this particular fixed star, being in the constellation of Libra, is about justice. It's about social reform. It's about balancing. And this particular star is about harsh justice. Okay, as opposed to mercy, or as opposed to like milder justice. So we are trying to think of. We're trying to reform. Um, you know, Bernard Brady talks about volunteering for a social cause. In this particular case, uh, we could also maybe thinking that there might be protests or marches or something like that happening around this time period. Um, but this is a time where where we may have to make sacrifices. This particular uh, this particular um, this particular star was called insufficient price. So if you think about uh, we're weighing the cost and the benefit of something, like maybe in all types of exchanges, we have to say, what is the value of what we are trying to sell at market? And what is the actual price that we're going to ask? And in this case, we may be trying to bring something into being or sell something, but we're not getting uh, our proper due for it. So we may have to make sacrifices and we may not be getting paid properly for those sacrifices that we're making. Now, this will shift as the sun moves into further into the tropical sign of Scorpio because it, later on in, in a, a few more days, at 19 degrees of Scorpio, it'll conjoin the fixed star Zubin al-Shamali, which is the northern pan or the northern claw, which is more about milder it's, it, it was called sufficient price. It's like you're getting what is your due. So we may not be getting what is our due on Friday, and we may have to wait a little bit to, to be able to get the justice that we are seeking in, in this particular uh, time in history, okay? So that is what I have for Friday the 6th. So let's finish up our weekend. Now, on f- Saturday... The 7th, I'm not going to switch back because there's only one uh, lunar aspect, which is, um, this is the, well, hold on a second. I'm going to do this anyway, just for my own edification. So we're going to move forward to Saturday, the 7th. So on November the 7th, we've got one lunar aspect with the moon making a square to Uranus in taurus Whoops. that's not it's not a very nice aspect line but get the idea so potentially some kind of challenge to our idealism schmidt called uh uranus the transcendental sun so this may be like a a universal ideal that we're all striving towards as a collective and the the moon is the manifester of substance and of matter so we may be getting a result that we're not that nobody's really happy with, and we may be starting to rebel, because reality doesn't match up with the ideal. That that was something I talked about last week. Was why is Uranus revolution and rebellion, and what is at the the heart and the core and the seed of those revolutions? Well, it is an idealistic uh, purpose. So when we have some an idealistic um, ethos that is trying to um, take into account collective needs. We either see that our reality matches it or it doesn't. And when our reality doesn't match a very strongly held collective belief system, then we have people that will get angry and then will rebel. So it's like point A to point B. So Uranus might not mean revolution in and of itself, but it may be a trigger because of the idealistic notions that it represents. It is, it, you know, Sch- Schmidt also called them destabilizing forces. They're, they're destabilizing the sign that they're in. So we may have some idealization about how we are using our physical resources and how we're using our bodies. This is interesting. Our bodies. Taurus is the union of the body and the soul. Remember we had like the uh, the separation in, in Aries of the spirit from the collective spirit, okay, from the, the one mind to become a point of consciousness. And then the, the Venusian Venus for Taurus, the Venusian, the Taurian Venus, is, is reuniting the consciousness with a physical body. Now, what has been the biggest thing that people have really been arguing about lately? People's bodies, the, the the reproductive rights of women. Okay, so we're seeing like this disruption based on a collective idealism of one party or another, and we're we're probably going to see uh, a revolution in regards to h- how we use our resources and how we use our bodies, and that is that is true for reproductive rights, but it could also be true to, for like climate change and how we use the collective resources of our earth. So b- they're both going to be you know destabilized on some level. But the reaction does not necessarily uh, mean that it is the cause doesn't necessarily mean it's the reaction or the I don't know, I don't think the planets are causal. I think the planets represent something in the cosmic mind. And as human beings, we can react to that in a certain way. Do you see what I'm saying? see the difference that I'm talking about there? Because we hold these ideals, then manifesting on earth, we may react to that ideal because we see the discrepancy between what we want and what we have. So that may really start to come to light on Saturday, November the 7th. Now, we have one fixed star contact on, on Saturday, November the 7th, and that is part of the constellation Corvus. So we have a conjunction between Venus and Algarab. So Algarab is right, uh, where is it? No, that's alchiba No way. it's over here somewhere. Sometimes it's harder to find it. There it is, okay. Algarab is part of Corvus the crow. Um, And Corvus the crow was given a sacred task, a divine task to fill Apollo's cup. And you can see on our star chart here that Corvus is not filling the divine cup. He's eating figs. So he was distracted from his mission uh, by earthly delights, by earthly desire. And uh, we have to be careful when Venus or any planet is conjoining al Garab, that we don't get distracted from our mission. So as I have been saying over the course of the week, we're probably gonna be trying to figure out how uh, power is distributed in the United States. And we can't get distracted from the real issue. There may be um, an attempt to distract us from what, what is the real task which is that distribution of power and of equality and social justice by some kind of earthly delight. And I don't know exactly what that could be, but that's part of the um, the, the symbolism here. And uh, we may be tempted to lie about something, too. The, the part of the story with Corvus is that the crow uh, lied to Apollo when he, he was uh, taken to task for not filling the cup and said, oh, it was hydra's fault you know here's hydra he blamed it on hydra the sea serpent that he wasn't able to to fill the cup and it was a lie so there is there may be a temptation to lie to create harmony in our relationships and in our social contracts that we have with one another so i would say the temp, try not to fall prey to the to the uh, distractions don't fall prey to the temptation to use dishonesty to create harmony, and use your pursue your um, your concerns or your contracts or your contractual agreements or your consensus through honesty and dedication to the task at hand. That's the way to use this energy. Is if we understand the pitfalls, we can understand how to use our human will to work around it. Okay. So honesty and dedication to the task ahead, not getting distracted, focus. It is very important that we focus on Saturday, especially when we're negotiating terms of the deal of the next social contract that we're going to all be subjected to. All right, let's finish up our week. And on Saturday... Our Saturday, I said it so enthusiastically. On Sunday, November the eighth, we will be beginning the last quarter phase of our moon cycle. We in the beginning of the day we have a sextile between the moon and Venus at three thirty six a.m. and then a trine between the moon and retrograde Mars at six thirty nine a.m. Okay, so we have uh, you know harmony between the moon and Venus and the moon and Mars. But we do have disharmony between the lights. So we're having the moon in a fire sign contrasting with the sun in a water sign, you know, the moon in Leo at 16 degrees Leo and the sun at 16 degrees of Scorpio. So we may be seeing like, you know, uh, the types of victory. This is this Deccan. Well, Hold on, let me gather my thoughts for a second on this. We have the second decan of Leo moon, victory, contrasting with the second decan of Scorpio, which was called mutual distillation, right? Or, uh, you know, there are some authors that associate it with memories of the past. So this may be where somebody declares victory but that it's really based on some kind of memory. you know It's based on some something in the past or some kind of toxic uh, mutual you know distillation. Um, and we may not really it may not be a final victory. I, I don't think I don't really know if we're really gonna know for a few weeks, maybe even a month or so. I was looking to see uh, when, oh, there was some particular thing that I was looking at. I believe it was the conjunction of Mercury and the sun again. Um, And that happens on December 20th. It would be really strange to have this kind of like, oh my God, what's gonna happen for uh, six weeks after an election? But crazier things have happened. I mean, a lot of astrologers are comparing this election to 2000 with the Al Gore, George Bush. Um, Supreme Court decision with the hanging chads and all of that. So I guess we'll see. I hope it is resolved quickly and I hope it is resolved fairly. But um, this too shall pass. We're going to be able to take some kind of action despite whatever result we get. Um, We're either going to be, you know, we're going to be called to to action regardless. Even even if, like, you know, in my own liberal perspective, Joe Biden wins, who is more of a centrist candidate, there will still be actions to hold that person accountable for maybe some of the more progressive climate change actions or or productive rights or or whatever uh, that that the society seems to be asking for right now. And there will be, you know, in it's, you know, police reformation and things like that. Those things are still going to we're still going to have to hold our leaders accountable, even if there is, quote unquote, a victory from a Democratic candidate. Now, if uh, you know Donald Trump is somehow reelected or claims victory or w- does whatever, there's a there's a whole other set of actions that come into play uh, with that result. I hope that those don't have to be uh, explored, but that's coming from my position. Um so that's what i've got that's what i've got for this week buckle up <laughs> like i think what i'll end with this so let's look ahead to see what we're going what we're heading towards in the ninth through the 15th okay we're gonna have an opposition between venus and mars on monday the 9th. so uh, a difficulty you know with bringing finding consensus and and having um self-directed action we're going to see an opposition and, and a disharmony between those two things on Monday and that we're going to feel that over the weekend too on Tuesday the 10th the Sun will make a trine into Neptune um, Mercury will move back into Scorpio and uh, we will have the Sun conjoin Zubin al-Shamali, al- which is the, the the distribution of justice that is more milder so we may we may see we may get some relief potentially on Tuesday on Wednesday, the 11th, 11, 11, the sun will move into the second decan of Scorpio, and then Thursday, the 12th, we've got our conjunction. Excuse me with Jupiter and Pluto. So that that's that's the final conjunction between those two planets this year. Thank goodness, because it's been a rough a rough aspect to deal with. Um, and then Friday, the 13th, Mars stations direct. So we'll maybe start to get some motion with being able to take action. Not right away. It'll take a little bit, but but that'll be an improvement on that. Venus will move into the third decade of, of Libra. Um, and then we will see towards the end of the week, uh, a sextile with the sun and Pluto and the sun and Jupiter, and then eventually a new moon on Sunday, the 14th, at 23 degrees of Scorpio. Okay, so we'll be ready to hit a new, a new lunar cycle by that time. All right, that's what I've got for this week. Thanks again, everyone, for hanging out. Some final thoughts. Again, like I stated in the beginning, it's important to keep your mental equilibrium in these challenging times. I think that um, this too shall pass. This is a part of the growing pains for the, the new social contracts that we are constructing between one another. And a lot of times there's disagreement before we come to some kind of consensus. And that disagreement can feel very painful and we can, it can cause us to lose hope sometimes. But like any great heroic story, uh, sometimes there is conflict before the, uh, before the victory, before the light of day. There's always a, a, a dawn or a dark period before we get the revelation or the liberation of the light. So I, I want to remind you of that. Uh, especially this week, because there might be a lot of things in the news that are trying to throw you off of your base, throw you off of your center, and make you feel afraid and make you feel scared. And that's when the darkness starts to win. That's when the fear begins to take hold and, and, and to gain power. And there's a great way to eliminate fear it's through knowledge, it's through light, it's through gnosis. So gather as much information as you can within reason from the most trusted sources that you can so that you can start alleviating that fear because we will move forward and we will get past this. And I think that that's the mindset to take is um, make sure that you're getting all the facts and getting your facts straight. Try not to let your actions be motivated by fear, but you know, maintain that equilibrium, maintain that center. All right, everyone, that's what I've got. Thank you again for sticking with me. I really appreciate all of you. If you're enjoying these forecasts, make sure that you're subscribed to the YouTube channel and to Apple Podcasts um, or my SoundCloud page. I have different distribution channels for these. I also have an Instagram and a Twitter at Spencer Michaud. So those are all the places that you can follow me. Sign up for the newsletter if you want to as well. and There'll be links for all of that smash that like button, make sure that you're sharing your experiences so we can have a conversation. I always love hearing from you. If you want to support the work that I do, there are a few donation links. I have a Venmo account at Spencer Michaud, or I have a PayPal me link that I put in the uh, description of these videos. Um, Also, if you want to support me, a really great way is to reach out for a reading, and then we can break down your chart within these particular aspects and see what the cosmic mind has uh, is thinking about in regards to your life and, and how you can navigate um, that um, th- these ups and downs uh, of, of fate and fortune. All right, everyone, that's what I've got. Take care and be well. Peace.